0: Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real-life scenarios with real live people. Hi.
1: Okay, everybody, welcome to tonight's show. Thank you for joining us. We are so happy that you're here. And um, I want to thank you all for coming. Tonight's share is share number 84 with the Let's Get Real team: Coach Menachem Bernfeld and Arne Echfried, and Osher Parnas, together. And uh, we're really, we're really making headway. Um, I want to first open up by saying that um, last week's share we had Rabbi Russell, Rabbi Yy, and the feedback we got was through the roof. We definitely um, got a lot of, a lot of emails. I mean, my, we ran out of a, a, a room in our Gmail account, so we have to expand. So we're getting so big because it was such an amazing share and um, we have a lot more to discuss about that we'll get down the road about that i want to first start off by first thanking all of our viewers for coming on every week and for really exploding um, this segment that we do every sunday night people post it on their whatsapp statuses and they send it out to their families their chats it's really it's it's really one share together we're all here together we're all trying to grow together every sunday night and uh, it's naturally grassroots growing and it's really it's a really humbling experience to see how big um and how wanted this sunday night program is so i really just really want to thank everybody If anybody who wants to join the whatsapp chats uh, every sunday i send out the flyers with all the information people post it around please you could send me a whatsapp at 848-525-0066 again that's 848-525-0066 and uh, save my number and then i will send you every sunday the flyer please send it around like i say not every share is for every single person but it definitely is negated to a lot of people. So send it around. You don't know who you could be helping by just posting it and sending it out there. Um, anybody who wants to sign up for the weekly email list for the flyer or get the replays, go to MenachemBurnfield.com. Over there, you could sign up over there and you get every week Menachem so graciously sends you the emails. Really appreciate that. For all those who are watching the replay of this year on YouTube, please click on the like button and subscribe to Coach Menachem's channel. As I say every week, that's what helps us fund this multi million dollar program. And we really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I want to start off first. Thank you all the advertising sponsors of Liquid Scoop for promoting us here in Lakewood, Robin Yanuf from Chazak for promoting us on the Chazak channels. Special thank you to Chayla Kaufman and Shmuel Summer for promoting us on all the Jewish digital platforms, JCN. Appreciate that. The Coach Menachem Show is collaborating with OK Clarity to bring greater health and wellness to the Jewish community around the globe. OK Clarity is the online platform for mental health supporting the Jewish community. OKClarity.com, you can find the best therapists, coaches, nutritionists, engaged in forums, And stay inspired. Links will be sent by Coach Benachem after the show. Again, for anybody who's here the first time, we do this every Sunday night at 9.30 Eastern time. We start, and sometimes it goes, and um, please join us every Sunday night. We we haven't missed, unless it's Yomtev, we we don't miss. So please join us every Sunday night. Next week, January 2nd, 2022, we're going to be having an amazing share with Rabbi, Dr. Jonathan Schwartz, who's a therapist, who is from Hillside, New Jersey, me and Menachem got in a few discussions with him, he's amazing, and we're want to be talking about a very interesting topic, Rabbi Spur, you ready for this one? Rising to the occasion, performance anxiety when speaking to Hashem, somebody davening for the Amid, public speaking or even on a date, so anybody that has any anxiety before davening for the Amid, any anxiety with public speaking, right? Rabbi Spur, we should have done the share last week, so you could have been ready for this week, but uh, and, even, and even people that go on dates, people sometimes find a tremendous amount of anxiety. We're really going to, he's this guy, he's like a mumch in this. He's really going to get into the depth of it, understand it. And he's actually going to give some real practical tips to really help a lot of people. I find this to be a very big problem. People don't talk about it, but I do find it to be a big problem. Um, it's going to be a powerful and very meaningful program. So please let people know about it and please join us. Tonight we have the discuss of having two amazing speakers here tonight. Sometimes we come with just one, but tonight we come fully loaded. We have Rabbi Echil Spiro, world-famous author, well-known speaker, who's here tonight together with Dr. Eli Shapiro who's been here before. So, Ellie, you know you're good, because if you come back, it's a good sign. We don't, you know, if you're not so good, we don't take you back.
2: I assume you know that, that I didn't cover enough information, and you weren't satisfied, so you brought me back another time to catch I came
1: up. back just to check you one more time. to, to right. uh, yeah. Here, one more time. So, that's that, and uh, thank you for coming on. I want to first start off with the opening statement, our host, Coach Menachem. Open up. Let's open up tonight's segment. What are we talking about tonight?
0: Thank you, Rabasha. Great job. I want to welcome everyone to Share number 84, Bar HaShem. Um, we are still in the middle of um, filing and taking care of the feedback from last week, which went uh, really went viral. I'm saying the, the topic, the discussion is just not enough, even though we sat three hours last week, but it's mm-hmm. it goes on and on. It's interesting to see the feedback, because whatever you're going to say, it always... Some people love it and sometimes it triggers. We have some Menalim and rabbeim who, who are saying that they're using Reb Shimon Russell's mahalach and they're, they're doing it. And then others felt that they were bashing the system or, you know, it's, it's not easy. And the Rebbe's in the classroom. Um, so it's, it's interesting to get the feedback. And again, you know, to hear from, with an open mind to understand that we're here to see what's going on, see if we can um, do something about it. And I'm happy that tonight, we're gonna have a Rebbe rab- in the classroom. We'll be able to hear a little bit from the Rebbe in the classroom and the doctor um, to be able to help us out to continue the discussion of last week. But before we start, I do wanna mention that we heard by, um, we had many questions coming in after last week's Sunday night session people want to restore the relationship with the kids that they haven't had for many years. And it, it ha- you have to be able to do it in a smart way. You can't just go say, okay, I'm here. If you haven't had a relationship with your child, whatever reason it is for who knows how long, or you just don't get along, it's not gonna work to go head on. It has to be done very smart way. And sometimes subconsciously from the back door, you can't just come and break down the door and say, I heard it on Sunday night program, and here I am. They're just going to run away. So, it, you know, it's, it has to do with Chachman. Sometimes it's kadai to reach out to, to somebody for help. Obviously, there are, there's a reason why the relationship is not the way it should be. To reach out and to see what you can do, and what's the reason why they're turning their backs. Um, we did have Rabbi Schaefer mention that for Shalom Bias. You should have date nights, you know, times without the phone, just to spend time together. I believe it's something that we need with our kids too. People would say, you know, I spend, I'm I'm, whenever I'm home, we're always together. We're spending so much time together, but that's not what we mean. We need conscious time that the kid knows that this is his time. And what you're doing in that time is not what you want. You, the adult, it's really what the child wants. And uh, sometimes adult is not in the mood, but to, to find some time in your day, week, month, or something that when you sit with your child, you're just focusing on the child only and nothing to do with you. And that can also be hard, there's triggers that come up and where they start sharing. And if they do start sharing something that you don't like to hear, it's work. So Baruch Hashem, we have this host tonight to have the Rebbe in the classroom and the doctor which help us out with all of these topics, and I want to mention tonight. Shavuot, Shavuot Chos, Moshe Ben David Yida, for all the listeners and everything, all the zechusim that come out from this program. Thank you very much. Shukar
1: yichosh Benachem, beautiful opening. Um, Again tonight, Shavuot Chos for Benachem Shvair, Moshe Ben uh, David Yida. Right. Very good. Okay, Shem. I just want to say, this week I'm making Hasna Thursday night. I'm w- welcoming all the guests that come to the Chassan Kala 9.30, Kesev, Moshe, Lakewood. If you want to come by and say Mazda, I would love to see you. Could just say, Coach Benachem, I know who you are. And this, this year should also be a Chassan for the Hassan Kala. They should have all the brachas from all the thousands of people that watch it. Amen. That's for them. We're going to start off tonight with our speakers. Rabbi Spear will go first. I'm going to read your bio. And, uh, and then we'll go to Rabbi Shapiro. So it's going to be a little hard because you have Spiro. Spiro so I'm going to try my best to navigate it. Rabbi, doctor, maybe that'd be, be, be the best way to go. I'll try to figure out. Okay. Rabbi Spiro. Rabbi Yechiel Spiro is a native of Cleveland, Ohio. He's a graduate of both the Hebrew Academy and Tells Yeshiva of Cleveland, and he did postgraduate studies at Mir Yeshiva Jerusalem. He continued on to study the club of Base Medical in Lakewood, and he has been teaching for the past 27 years and is currently an eighth grade rabbi Yeshiva Chaim of Baltimore. He has a weekly column, the Ted Namon, entitled A Touch of praise and is part of a very popular Chinech roundtable featured in Yeted Neman, His inspiration daily recordings have been received. Great acclaim, Reb Spiro is, is a prolific speaker on both national and international circuit and is author of Arts Girls Touched by a Story series, many books in all, and as well as numerous private bi- biographies, works and uh, family legacies. His most recent book, Touched by His Blessing, The Beauty of Birch Samazan, Touched by the Hearts of Souls of Thousands, Both Young and Old Alike, and Rebbe Spiro is a huge speaker and we're very happy to get him to come on the program. Thank you, Dr. Spiro, for for getting him to come. We really appreciate it. And now that you're here, Reb Spiro, short opening, just let's get, let the conversation go. The floor is yours.
3: Okay, hello everybody. Um, It's kind of a little strange. Here I am in a room all alone, and yet uh, I see there's almost 500 people on the Zoom. uh, Ken Yirbu, first of all, thank you so much, Coach Menachem and Rebosher for inviting me. Thank you, Eli, for, asking me to come onto the program, I I want to begin with a disclaimer. You know, I've written Baruch Hashem books, and one of the books that I have never written, and I don't think I will ever write, is a book on Chinuch, because doing so would make me or other people think that I think that I'm an expert on Chinuch, which I'm not. I'm not sure there is such a thing as an expert on Chinuch. Chinuch is every parent that is blessed with a pichadon, with a child, most precious thing in the world. Hashem gives us that gift if we are zaych, if we're privileged to have that gift, and we try. We're just trying, and no one's perfect, and no one's an expert. And if they think they're an expert, then they have a problem, because maybe Hashem blessed you with perfect children. And you're very, very fortunate. But some people and most people are blessed with children that have challenges. Most children are very, very challenging. And therefore we need siyata Dishmaya. That is the number one ingredient in Chinuch. Siyata Dishmaya, heavenly assistance. We need tehillim and Trerin. We need to daven all, all our children. We do everything we can to ask Hashem for success. We're just trying. And I'd like to share with you a short vart, and hopefully, in mitzvah, that will uh, kind of put things into the proper perspective that I just that I just thought of, and I'm I'd love to hear people's feedback. But you know, we live in Mashiach zeiten everything's about Mashiach now, and we we try, especially during COVID, we've had the privilege of of really feeling a little bit what it's like to yearn for Mashiach. But the Gemara and Shabbos says that. Who are the meshichoy? Who are the Mashiachs? those are the children. The children of Kal Yisrael HaMashiach. So now let's relearn the Tzfilo the again. I believe completely. That this child will come into his own. And even though that child lingers, and, and we're waiting for him to blossom, to become everything he or she is supposed to be. in I wait for him. Just like we wait for Mashiach, we wait for our children, and we believe in them every single day. And we hope, and we daven, and we pray that we're all matzliach. Before we got on, Rabasha said, you know, let's offer a tefillah. And the tefillah is that hopefully this will be inspiring. Somebody will be able to learn something. This is just a discussion. We're just schmoozing. Parents we're just together let's hopefully find the right words to inspire people thank you thank you Rev. Spiro,
1: you. for that opening okay let's go now to Dr. Eli Shapiro I'm going to try to read his bio it's a very long and complicated bio so I'm going to try to read it hopefully there'll be some time after I'm done for a few more minutes of questions can, can I try
2: I think you should go with the two sentence but okay
1: Dr. Eli Shapiro, go, no. Dr. Eli Shapiro is a licensed clinical social worker with a doctorate in education and specializes certificate in Jewish education leadership. He's the creator and director of the Digital Citizen Project, the digitalcitizenship.com. The professor of the City University of the Trustee of Queens Public Library. Dr. Shapiro is a graduate of Azraeli School of Jewish Education Administration, Wurtzlager School of Social Work, Toro College, and holds two licenses in school administration, through the Queens College Postgraduate Educational Leadership Program. Dr. Shapiro has presented to thousands of parents, schools, facility, mental health professionals and communities of North America, and has lectured for internationally recognized organizations including, Agudath Israel of America, Consortium of Jewish Day Schools, International Conference of Chabad Lababit, Shluchim, Nefesh International, the Orthodox Union, Prisma Center for Jewish Schools, Project Inspire, Torah Masorah, Yeshiva University, and the most important one, Coach Menachem Bernfeld, Sunday Nights, Dr. Shapiro is an expert in social and emotional functionality of families and leads numerous studies on Jewish families and technology. Dr. Shapiro, open up.
2: Thank you. I'm glad that that was long because I don't have as much to say as Rabbi Spiro. Um, initially, when I, I uh, <laughs> when I asked that he would go first, it would be like you know an introduction for me, but now I have to follow him, so that that makes things a little complicated. Um, <clears throat> you know the the whole the whole piece on parenting. Um, I, I don't think for in in. Until recently, I don't think I would have had any confidence even speaking on the issue. Um, you know, it, it's hard to to feel confident talking about parental strategies. You can look at the research, you can look at the data until you sort of feel like you uh, are producing children that uh, the outcomes look pretty good. And so I, I, I feel, uh, you know, my ability to talk about parenting. Okay. That's-
1: Okay, you, you fuzzed out. So just go back. You go back ten seconds.
2: Okay, hold on. Where, where did we uh where where did I leave off?
1: Go back. Just go back ten seconds.
2: So I, I don't think I would have felt as confident speaking <coughs> about uh, parenting until my children are are, uh, are something that I'm so proud of that they're accomplishing, um, and I feel a little more confident in speaking some of the strategies that have been successful. Uh, in, in in that. And looking at the research and looking at the data, I sort of back ended into this uh, parenting piece through technology. My, my real area of, um, of management is really how technology impacts functioning and how parents can better manage their children's technology. And what really seems to be uh, a driving issue amongst kids uh, and parents today and the challenges that they're facing often revolves around technology. And so In building strategies to help kids and parents be on the same page when it comes to that piece of it, it really expands to a larger, um, a larger arena of parenting as a whole. Um, With that said, there are so many challenges that parents have today in in many families, you have two working parents or, um, you know, or a father who's in COLO and a mother who's working and the ability to be home and connecting with children becomes increasingly difficult. Uh, and as financial obligations increase. And so uh, finding the opportunities to be an engaged uh, parent becomes harder and harder um, in in modern society. And so I think that some of the challenges and some of the questions and some of the conversations we're gonna have tonight are gonna revolve around finding the opportunities for those meaningful connections in an ever chaotic and demanding world. So um, I think that's where the conversation is gonna go.
1: Thank you, Dr. Spiro, Spiro, for that opening, beautiful. Okay, you guys take a minute break. We're going to take a poll. We're going to get the crowd into it. I want to just say, last week, we, we had a big discussion about, you know, struggling teens and everything, and a lot of parents that listened, listen, that have kids, this is like a great, you know, let's, 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 you know, like sometimes you have the sequel, you have the prequel. Like this is a great, you know, topic that really hit a lot of parents, like how to really build a beautiful connection with their children. So I think tonight's topic resonates with a lot of people let's take a poll everybody let's answer it and then we're really going to dive into it tonight two questions both in today's challenging age of parenting what is your preferred strategy of raising children a firm and protected b ju- just love them give them whatever they want slash need or c firming love and more under and understanding their challenges it's gonna make a little wider of today's generation so those are the two options for you know your preferred strategy of parenting The second question is, when you get into a disagreement with your child, what is the best thing to do? Option A, sleep on it, and tomorrow you'll both be more level-headed. Option B, resolve it as soon as possible. Or option C, let it go, and it's just going to resolve itself, right? All problems resolve themselves, usually. So those are the two questions. You have five seconds to vote, and then we'll discuss it, and then we'll jump straight into the question. We've got a lot of emails, so we're really going to try to get into it. Okay, five, four... Three, two, one. Okay, let's share the results. Okay, in today's challenging age of parenting, what is your preferred strategy of raising your children? 6% of people said firm and protected. 4% just love them and give whatever they want. You guys are so like not nice to your kids, what should I tell you? And 89% said firm, loving, and more understanding to their challenges of today's generation. 89% 89% of people. So I think uh, that's what they answered. And question number two, when you get into a disagreement with your child, what's the best thing to do? Very interesting. The first two options are pretty much tied. Sleep on it. Tomorrow will both be level-headed. It's 49% of people. 41% of people said resolve it as soon as possible. Only 10% of people said let it go. I'm you want to say something on that uh, poll?
2: Uh, we're looking at the first question or the, the second question? Either one. Uh, the first question, you know, uh, it really speaks to, um, you know, uh, what we see in in the research. You know, there's three major styles of parenting. Uh, there's authoritarian, authoritative, and laissez-faire, which is the, uh, you know, just love them, let them do their thing. Um, and, and really the authoritative style, which is that in-between, authoritarian is that firm and rigid style. Uh, the laissez-faire is the just love them and give them whatever they want. Um, but the authoritative style is that middle level style where you're balancing the firm and and restrictive approach with loving and understanding and uh, the specific challenges they're facing today. And so I think intuitively your audience uh, knows that that is the best strategy. And that's what we see consistently. Consistently, kids need that balance. Um, Kids want to be protected. They want parents to set limits um and and standards for them uh and at the same time they need to know that they're loved and cared for and their own experience is validated so i think your uh, audience is uh, is right on
1: okay amazing okay let's jump into the first question um doctor we'll, we'll we'll go to you first again let's start tonight you have two of the most amazing people here tonight you're coming from two different angles coming from the therapeutic point of view you're coming from the rabbi rabbi point of view and let's, there's a lot of questions coming in. Anybody wants to ask, please text Usher partners, we'll put you on. They both could answer exactly. And um, let's, let's hop around. Let's, let's really try to get someplace tonight. Okay. The first question, how do I manage when my kids' friends have different values than us with regards to things that we do outside of schools, such as family trips, devices, videos, right? You live like this, they live like that. Doctor. You take that first,
2: please. Yeah, so, you know, this isn't a new, uh, a new challenge. It's gotten a little more complicated with, with technology, but there's always been that issue around the haves and have-nots or my friends or what's popular, uh, different value systems. And I, I think the first thing that when children come to you with uh, something that they want, something that they're expressing that everyone else seems to have, The first most important thing is to really understand what they're asking and validate that. Um, When when kids come to us um, and they want something, they want it, but oftentimes they know in advance whether you as the parent are going to give them whatever it is that they want. They know what the parental values are. They know what the family values are, and they know that their friends may not share those exact values. So oftentimes they know the answer before the question is even asked. Uh, and it's so critical that before you even give them the answer, really let them feel understood. You have to validate the experience. So, um, you know, for example, um, you know, when my, uh, when my daughter came uh, and saying everyone in her classes has, has a smartphone and she doesn't have a smartphone and everyone has, and, you know, the, the response really is, well, wow, that must be really difficult. That must be really hard to feel that everybody else has something and you don't have that. And you can really fill in the blank for anything. Uh, that, that your kids are coming to with you. But understand that just the mere validation of it makes them feel that they're understood and the item itself becomes secondary. So when, they, when you have to say that no, at least they know that you, you're concerned about them, that you care for them, that their feelings are important. Um, and that really goes a long way in helping them adjust or adapt to an answer that they may not wanna hear.
1: Very nice. Okay, Rabbit you want to go to this one? You want to go to the next one?
3: I'm I'm ready to move on. Ellie's an expert on that.
1: Okay, here we go. Okay. I work. This is a question we got a lot of different versions of it, but let's just really, it's it's a, it's a very basic question. It's a very powerful question. I work, my wife works, there's very little time that I have to spend with my kids. I do have maybe 15 minutes now, 15 minutes then. What could I do during that time to maximize my time with my kids?
3: Um, I, I asked one of the great experts in Chinuch in my life, uh, my wife, and she said, 15 minutes? That's all you have? To... Really? 15 minutes? That's very, very little time. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not being judgmental of everybody, but if we really want to grow, then we have to ask ourselves, do we really only have 15 minutes? Now, let's say you do only have 15 minutes. Let's say you go to work at um, 7.30 and, you're, and you only have 15 minutes to spend with your children or you, you come home just 15 minutes before bedtime. So it's not about the quantity of time that you have. It's the quality of time that you have. When you spend that time with your children, are you completely absorbed in what they're doing or is it just, oh, hi, how was your day? Good, okay. Sometimes you come in and your younger kids are going to sleep Walk into their bedroom. Again, you can't tell anybody how to be emotionally, but if you're the type of person that lays down with your kid and cuddles with the little ones, then do that. If you want to just sit down and ask them, how was, sit on the edge of the bed and ask them how was school, great. If they, they come home or you come home and they're crying um, because they're overwhelmed with homework. And by the way, you know, I'm looking at all the questions. Usher, you got to get a homework question in here. If, you, if no one submits it, then make it up. I don't care. Get a homework question in there because homework's a big, big deal and we got to talk about it tonight. But- okay, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna think of my personal homework problem. Good. And then I'll give you a list of my homework problems and watch this screen blow up now with homework issues. But the point is, is that whatever time you have, maximize that time. You know, I, I always think about the following. Our parents, Produced our generation, which we're doing okay. We're doing pretty good. Um, Qal Yisrael is booming. You know, we always make it like there's a crisis in Kallah Yisrael. Kallah Yisrael is so successful. Baruch Hashem, in, in every area. I mean, do we have problems? We have tremendous problems. But whatever problem we have, most of most of the generations had those problems as well. I mean, the Haskalah movement decimated entire cities. So when we talk about a child going off the derech, of course it's a problem. But Problems always existed. The question is, what can we do about them? How do we maximize our time? How do we, how do we really, really spend time to focus on whatever our children are doing? And if we are able to take those pockets of time, let's say you come in, your kids frustrated, they're at homework, they're having a homework issue. So maybe take them away from the homework. Maybe take them for a Slurpee. Maybe take them for a walk. Maybe schmooze with them. Tell them it's okay. Reassure them. Our parents did not do helicopter parenting. They did not. Our, my, my father, and again, I, my two points of reference are really my parents. I grew up in a beautiful home and I, my mother, I know for sure is watching. Uh, and you better be watching if you know what's good for you. My mother's on, but, um, but, but I, and, and our home that's, I, I really, that's really the only I know firsthand. My, my, my father once coined a term, he called it benevolent neglect which means you watch your children. You don't necessarily meddle into every little thing that they do, but you're always there. You're there for them. I think that's the Nakuda. You reassure your child constantly from the time they're little children till till, till you leave this world. I'm always here for you if you need me. If you ever wanna talk, if there's ever an issue, I understand. And I'm here for you. And so maybe you have 15 minutes a day. 15 minutes a day is a lot of time. Shabbos, you have more than 15 minutes. We all have. And again, I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm speaking to everybody else. It's hard. It's challenging. We're juggling a thousand things. But squeeze out that time and maximize your time paying attention to your child.
2: I want to just add add on that. First of all, um, uh, Mrs. Ahuva Heyman from uh, your neck of the woods, uh, the director uh, of the North in Baltimore, she calls uh, anane hakavod parents as opposed to helicopter parents. They they create anane hakavod around it. Good. Right. Uh, in addition, I was just, I was actually just at a breakfast this morning. Rav uh, Shalom Kamenevsky, the Russian from Philadelphia, but was doing a question and answer for mental health professionals. And he talked about this exact, uh, this exact issue of, of the quality versus the quantity of parenting. He said when he first uh, took on uh, administrative uh, responsibilities at the, at the yeshiva, um, he was uh, working afternoons and evenings. And he had very little time in between the afternoon seder and the evening seder. He was home for maybe a half hour. But from the perspective of his children, he made sure that the way they saw his presence in, the, in that half hour, that 40 minutes, that there was nothing else in the world going on but those 30, 40 minutes. And he really, you know, did have, have limited time. And he really, and I think that's that's the perspective we have to have. Um, not just are we seeing it as that we're engaged parents during that time, but do our kids sense that there's nothing else going on uh, uh, during that time, especially when we are limited in. Limited in the uh, in the quantity of time that we do have available, and so just to add on to that, uh, you know, spending time. One of the challenges that that interfere with the quality of the time is is uh, is technology and our devices. Uh, if your kids have devices, maybe they're on their devices, and if they don't have devices, maybe you're on your devices. In my own home, one of the things that we do is something called going dark for dinner. That means no technology during dinner time. Um, however long that is, 15, 20 minutes. You know, when I was a kid growing up, the telephone was uh, on the wall. It had that, you know, curly cord and, you know, at the rotary. Uh, to, and you didn't want to call anyone that had too many zeros in their number because it was too much of an that to, to go all the way around. Um, and so when the phone rang during dinner, you didn't pick it up because it was dinner time. But now that we take the devices to the table, uh, it really interferes with that 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 piece of it. And it was actually one of my daughters that Suggested we do this idea of going dark for dinner with no technology, and the quality of the interactions, of the communication, of understanding your children and what their day was like at at school is so much more rich and robust than would be if you were just having uh, a conversation where you're checking your device or your smartwatch uh, in the in between time. So really making the effort to find, to to find that time, and I think it does require making the effort if you expect it to just happen on its own, uh, you're not going to have that quality interactions and that, that uh, parent-child connection. Um, and it's something that we have to be strategic about and say, I'm going to make sure I set aside 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and make it a really meaningful uh, experience from the perspective of our children. It should be a positive, interactive experience. Ugh,
1: beautiful, both of you. OK, let's go. We have a first live question. Hi, hi, you're on.
3: Hi, do you hear me?
1: Yes, hi. Hi. Hi.
2: Thank you for um, giving me this opportunity. Um, I actually was a little nervous to ask a live question, but I felt like for next week in preparation, I'll uh, be a right. and That's ask right. it. <laughs> Dr. Um,
1: Dr. Jonathan Schwartz will be very proud of you.
2: <laughs> so my question is, I, I am a mo- I'm a mother with a few younger kids, um, and I'm not naturally empathetic. I guess, to say the least. I'm, I'm a sweet person, I'm just not naturally, I don't feel naturally for people. So I was wondering, it comes across a lot in parenting, how do I train myself to feel for my children when I know validation is so necessary? Um, how do I teach myself how to feel for my children um, being their mother? <laughs> If it's okay, I'll, I'll jump on this. And, and uh, you know, it was interesting. Uh, in my in my home, we uh, we read uh, the question and answer from the Teresa Vigder, uh, or Vigder Miller's uh, publication, at uh, Friday night. So this week, uh, the question was, how do I feel that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is Avinu? Right? How do I how do I feel that? If I just don't feel it, and so he suggests, and his answer is that you just go into a corner, quiet, and sit there and say Avinu, Avinu. A Venu, and just repeat it until it until you internalize it. Validation um, and empathy are interrelated, but they're not dependent on one another. A person, some people are more naturally empathetic than other people, um, and that's just uh, biological predisposition and psychological predisposition. But validation is a behavior, uh, and validation is something that we can do by just sharing and expressing to our children. And that's a behavior that we can practice. And much in the same way, we can practice saying the word Avinu. we can practice validating. When our child tells us something that they struggled with um, or that they're, they're unhappy about, we can say, I'm so sorry, that must be really difficult for you. Or if it's something that they've accomplished that they're proud of, you can say to them, you must be so proud of yourself. And that's validation. And you don't have to feel it in order to be able to do that. But I think the more validation you do, the more empathy you might begin to feel uh, in interacting with, with your children. Rabbi Spiro?
3: Yeah, I think i um, just echoing what you say and reiterating it, maybe a little bit of a different nusuch. Um Go through the motions that uh, of, of loving your child, of, of being there for your child, and and again, this is going to sound very superficial, but fake it till you make it. Um, you know, I, I just saw a beautiful, and can I say a story? Um, I, I just saw a beautiful be story. disappointed if
2: you didn't say a story, so.
3: <laughs> oh, that's why I'm supposed to be here. Okay. <laughs> Reb <Chaim laughs> Criesworth, somebody once came to him and said, what should I tell you? I'm, I'm just, there's a Yid who has a store right next to me, and and uh, he has thousands of people going to the store, and I have a store right next to him, and I, and I just, I don't have a lot of parnasa, and I'm and I'm and it's very very difficult for me, and and I, I don't forgive him. I'm not happy for him, and Ruchan Kreizwald told him, every time you see somebody go into the store, say to yourself, I'm so happy that Hashem gave another yid parnasa, and he said, but I don't feel that way. He said, say it, repeat it, and eventually you will feel it. And I want to end with one more thing. You know, you said you're not naturally that type of person. That's how Hashem made you. And before I went into Chinuch, somebody gave me a great piece of advice. He said, be you. Don't be me. Don't be anybody else. Be you. Sometimes as parents, we try to be somebody else. We see another family and, oh, they're so loving and they're so wonderful. And they never get upset with their children. And we try to be like them. Be you. You have your own mindless, you have your own wonderful attributes. Be you. Hashem made you wonderfully, and you'll be able to be a great mother. You were specially chosen to be that child's mother. When when that neshama was placed inside of you, Hashem chose you because you are best suited for the growth and for the affection of that child. Hashem does this orchestrated all with tremendous and this is the way it was meant to be from the beginning of time. So... Love them the way you can. Don't try to be anybody else. And um, your children will be able to receive and, and to feel that love.
1: And okay, let's jump on to the next question here. My teenager now 15 years old. Our discussions are always screaming and yelling. I don't have a healthy relationship with her slash him. What can I do to start over and build a healthy relationship at this point?
3: Um, okay. This is such a hard question. And it's so common. I always feel like if we would all be mosquitoes in somebody else's house for 15 seconds, most of our problems would be gone. We just wanna know we're normal. Oh, other families also have issues with their children? Oh, you mean I'm not a bad parent? Listen, you know, parenting is, is, is a long career. It's not like when your children get married, you're done parenting. You're always going to be their child and they're always going to be your parents and vice versa. And relationships are never over. One of one of the tragedies, people think that life ends in sixth grade. My child screams and yells at me, we have no relationship. My, my teenage child has no yachas with me. I have no relationship with him or her. And how can we ever... If you give constant love, your child and you let them know that you are always there for them always proud of them and again this doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes everybody makes mistakes we all make we all flub up we all unfortunately are not perfect that's the way hashem made us but if you are constantly reassuring your child you can rebuild that relationship it's never too late and small little tidbits let's say your child your 15 year old child comes home and she locks herself in the room just wants to be on her computer uh, with her friends and she doesn't want to, and and, and whenever she comes outside, she just barks at you and frustrates you. Maybe before you go to the store, hi, honey, I'm just letting you know, I'm going to the store. What can I pick up for you for lunch? Is there something specific you would like? She might ignore you, but she got it. She got it. And I I think that's very, very important. Another very, very short story, but very true. There was a child that that, uh, left yeshiva and And after two years, he was struggling and, and, he, and he came back on and somebody said to him, how would you come back on? He said, my Rebbe called me every single week. And he said, really? Wow. It goes back to the Rebbe, he says, you know, the child was so misragish, he was so moved that you call him every single week. He says, do you want to know something? He never picked up the phone once. But he knew you called. So the same is with your child. Show them different ways that you, you care about them, you love them, and that will build a foundation where you're able to mitzvah have a beautiful, loving relationship with them.
2: I, I also I want to add, and I think in the moment I'm just trying to you know uh, get the image of of the yelling back and forth. Um, I think it's incumbent upon the adults in the room to sort of regulate, it's very difficult for teenagers to regulate themselves, Uh, but I think it's incumbent uh, upon the adults in the room to try to regulate uh, the conversation. And when you feel you're elevating to that point of getting angry and yelling, really taking a step back and really um, maintaining uh, the, the, the calmness. So even if the child is getting angry and even if you're frustrated and if you're upset, I, I think it's it's incumbent upon the parent and trying to perspective take and understand what the child is going through. Oftentimes when a child is uh, is really uh, expressing anger and uh, misbehaving, they're, they're really trying to say something uh, other than the yelling and the screaming. So I agree with Rabbi Spiro, finding opportunities to give and finding opportunities to show care and concern uh, really, are, are going to go a long way in both de-escalating uh, a situation as well as repairing it over long term. I think for most of us, our default when it comes to our children, we usually spend more time saying "Don't do this," "No," uh, you know, negatives, criticizing. Uh, I think that it's a more common default as a parent when we try to guide our children. We try to point out the things that they are doing wrong in an effort to help them get to the right place. So if a child is hearing that repeatedly, uh, that certainly can be frustrating for them um, and they may respond in, in, a, in an oppositional way. Um, John Gottman is a, a psychologist, a researcher, uh, who identifies that in order to promote positive relationship and positive behaviors within kids, we really have to find five opportunities of positivity for every one Uh, negative uh, criticizing piece. So five positive interactions for every one negative interaction. And the only way, again, similar to finding that time to connect with your children, the only way you're going to find the opportunity to give five positive comments uh, or five uh, affirmations of positivity is if you are thoughtful about it and strategic about it and make an effort to make sure that you do that on every single day. Find something that your child is doing right um, as opposed to the probably easier it is to find something that they're doing wrong.
3: I, I want to add in one point. I want to add in one point on that. Um, you know, sometimes things get very stressful. And there's and, and one of your children's having it out with your spouse. And I, I always joke to my wife, one of us needs to remain sane at all times. It's important. We are, we're <laughs> a unit. We're a unit. If you're Zaycha and you have a, a, a husband and wife in, in, together in a house and we're, we're in this together. It's not like, you know, let's say your wife's getting into it with her daughter, or your son's getting into it with their father. It's not like you can go into another room and just disappear, even though you want to. We're in this together. And sometimes it might be okay to say, you know what, maybe I got this one and it's okay, and again, with dignity and and COVID and and respect for one another, but I think that that really makes a difference.
1: Okay, there's a lot of questions coming in. I wanna actually go a little deeper into what we're saying to more complicated situations. that person online? Okay, we have a live question. You can unmute. Okay, you're on, let's go.
0: So um, Mm -hmm.
1: I wanted to know, when you have an older
0: child, for example, not limited to someone in tzedokhan, But an older child who, quote unquote, is an adult who might have um, an opinion about something who disagrees with the parent, and the other parent happens to agree with the child, how does the parent, you know, normally a united front is probably the way to go, should be the way to go. But when you have um, an adult child who's having a disagreement, how do you take sides without splintering things or causing the child to take sides? So,
3: I'm, um,
1: the way I'm understanding the question to clarify it is, you have a 20, 25-year-old child who's disagreeing with a parent. One parent, the mother father agrees with the child, while the other parent doesn't. How does the parent who agrees with the child deal with deal between the husband and, and the child?
3: I'm sure you hear that? Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, so first of all, Shadduchim is an entire portion of itself. Um, and and the the Parent-child relationship is, is tested like in no other time in their lives because the child is trying to find themselves and you're trying to be supportive, but you're not trying to smother them. So that is a very, very difficult time. And it's important that everybody has respect for everybody else. Um, somebody told me a great line that when, you're, when your child's in, in Shaduchim, he told me, make sure that you always listen to your wife he says for two reasons number one they're more intuitive they get it they get it more than the men do men sometimes think that they get it more we don't in relate i i think like i really get it i totally don't sometimes and and it's important that we understand that and secondly if if you make the call and you're wrong you'll never hear the end of it so it's important it's important that a husband and wife are in agreement and they present the united front together, together to that child. Now, if that child, um, if you agree with the child, so then behind closed doors, discuss it with your wife and try to present the united front, but always in a respectful way, always. And again, Shadduchim is so difficult because it's so painful and it's so like, sometimes it's so right there and then it falls through your fingers and you think you could have done it, remember. We do our eshtadlis, we do the best we can, and Hashem takes over the rest. But you and your wife got to be on the same page about that. You got to come to an agreement. And, and and we work on it together. Work on it. Sometimes you'll have good days, sometimes she'll have good days, and work on it together. And hopefully, in Mitzvah you can find a good united way to be able to guide your daughter or son. That takes us into Shalom Bias. Yes, no question, no question. But <laughs> Shalom Bias is always an issue. But besides Shalom, I mean, Shalom bias is the Yesayat of Chinuch, because without a good foundation, the whole whole thing collapses. But listen, a lot of times there's single parents that raise beautiful children as well. And and for those single parents that we have listening and watching, please know that you can do a great job and you are doing a great job. And sometimes circumstances are difficult. But obviously Shalom bias, peace in the house, is essential and crucial for raising good, healthy, secure children
0: what would, what would, what would be the advice if somebody's shalom bias is a little bit uh, not so strong and they're in the middle of shadhukh I I, I
3: stripped oh. in and out I can't
0: what what would be the advice if you, the shalom bias if the bias is not the way it's supposed to be you hear me okay,
3: I'm, I'm sorry one more time
0: yeah what would you say for those with shalom bias is not the way it should be and now they're in the middle of shadhukh Where do they
3: start whatever you do whatever you do, don't fight in front of the kids. And when it comes time, you have to make peace for the children. You you, put your differences aside. One thing you agree on, one thing every couple agrees on, even if you're divorced, you agree that you love your children and you want what's best for them. And you have to try. And I'm sure it's terribly difficult. And you know, as Fasema says, you, you know, don't judge somebody until you reach their place. And the Sfasema says, and you will never reach their place. You're never going to get there. You're never going to fully understand them. So I don't fully understand the challenges of single parenthood, but you must not use your children as leverage against one another. You have to do what's best for the child. Put all of your, of your wants and desires aside for the sake of your child. Never use your child as leverage. That's, that would be awful. That's awful, and that will ruin your child.
2: So I want to take, take the same concept and just bring it back uh, to the non-shidduch uh, age children. And I think the, the same applies. Even if, even if a child isn't complicating it with their own opinions, um, it's so critical. Parents are going to disagree um, on the finer points of, of raising children at, at different points along the way, uh, from the ch- time they're in, in preschool all the way through shidduchim but the overarching um, importance of presenting a unified front in almost all cases uh, is is more important than whatever that one issue is. Uh, So whatever issue is being presented to you, almost almost in all cases, uh, the importance of being unified or presenting unified, you can disagree in private and communicate uh, with your spouse in private that you agree or disagree on on certain issues. But what gets presented to the children is that mommy and daddy or Abba and Ima or Tati and mommy were all on the same page uh, when it comes to presenting it to our children. And I think that's, that's critical because if children are getting mixed messages from each of their parents, it really creates confusion and a lack of confidence in their own conclusions um, because they look up to both their parents for guidance and advice. And so if they're not getting a, a clear and consistent message, Uh, It just creates more confusion for them. I once
3: had a kid in camp, and the kid was was one of the most incredible children I've ever seen. He was just like like momish, like an angelic child, but he was like a a geshmaka boy and 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 with it and well balanced and everything. And I asked the parents on visiting day, "What did you do? Like, how did how how like what's the secret?" And at the same time, it wasn't orchestrated. They both pointed to each other. And I knew that was the secret.
0: Okay. You have a question for uh, the doctor, maybe. During COVID, we were a little more liberal with our standards uh, and the rules at home, bedtime, technology. Is it too late to go back to the old normal or should we go back?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a real challenge. So, you know, in looking at COVID, um, you know, and it, it's just when we think we might be out of it, we uh, find ourselves maybe being pulled back in a little bit. Um, I, I've been really chalking up the whole COVID thing to just not being ideal. I think we'd all agree that this, this whole experience has not been an ideal, uh, although Get Real did emerge from COVID, so maybe there is some, some bright side to it. But it hasn't been ideal. And as a result of not being ideal, we had to make many decisions um, across the board uh, in in our daily operation of life, uh, things that were not ideal decisions either. And so, um, you know, when we look at, uh, there was a point where we weren't davening in shul with a minion. And there was a point where our children weren't attending yeshiva. And there was a point where we, we let our kids stay up too late um, and they didn't have to get up the next morning for school. That was actually a really nice part, not having to wake our kids up in the morning, uh, and get them out for school. That, that was pretty nice. Um, and so there were a lot of aspects. We had increased technology, increased screen engagement because, uh, the opportunity for social connectivity, we are a social being and our ability to go to shul and, and get together with friends and, and, and just spend time with one another, have friends over for Shabbos and go to someone else for a Shabbos meal. Uh, all of that is fundamental to who we are as, as human beings. And so we lost a lot of that. And so a lot of it shifted to digital. There were people who were davening uh, with, with a digital minion, going to Shiurim and to, and, and to connecting with other people. And so without a doubt, we engaged in an increased um, amount um, of, uh, of screen time, of screen engagement, um, out of necessity, out of a situation that was not ideal. And so I actually give the example of how uh, Walmart rolls back prices, right? They get very excited. This is a rollback. Uh, so in the same way, we didn't say, well, you know, this is the new normal. We don't go to school anymore. We don't dive in with a minion anymore. We didn't say that the new normal is that, uh, you know, we don't go to school anymore. Uh, the same thing with technology and bedtime and and some of the, the more liberal approaches that we may have taken at home because we were suffering from quarantine and isolation and a global pandemic that really uh, forced us into a situation to make decisions that were less than ideal. There's no reason we can't go back and say, the same way we're back in Shiva, we're back in Shul, we can also say, okay, let's go back bedtime we need to communicate to our children we need to validate you know we're going to go back to that i know it's hard i know we got used to staying up late or maybe we got used to uh watching videos more than we would have in the past but it's time to uh step back and reassess and figure out take the steps that are going to be most healthy and productive for our children as individuals and for us as a family as a whole and there's nothing wrong with having these dialogues with our children. Exactly what I'm saying uh, is, is something is a conversation that you can have with your children, and that lets them feel, you know, that initial pull that you put up, that middle ground of parenting, not the authoritarian where we're saying this is how we're going to do it. These are the new rules. Uh, uh, Coach Benachem, opened up by saying no one should go home tonight and switch everything up and say, "I heard it on Coach Benachem that this is what we're going to do." No, we need to step back. We need to have a conversation with our, our children, uh, you know. validate that this is difficult and that we got into a, a rut with certain things as a result of COVID and talk about it. How can we as a family take a step back to the way things, the way they used to be and including your children in that conversation. Let them own some of it. Let them say, oh, you know, I remember before COVID, we used to do this, that, or the other. I like that. So let's go back to that. By the way, the kids may also say, that mommy, Tati, you, you spent a little less time on the phone as well. Uh, and so parents need to be ready ready to hear that as well. So that idea of having a shared dialogue, of communicating, of validating, and certainly with a goal of rolling back to a more healthy, uh, less distracted, and more functional way of life than we, we, uh, we had to uh, shift to during that, that non-ideal situation that we were in a few months back
1: amazing okay guys we got two questions literally the opposite so we're gonna i'm gonna ask both questions and i would like both people to answer possibly rabbi you go first the first question is like this when i try to spend time with my 12 year old daughter all she wants me to do certain things with her she wants to check out music from her computer or do computer type stuff this is not what i want to do should i continue to do computer stuff with her or should i push her to do something else basically the child has an interest that the parent has no interest to do with the kid, and that's all the kid wants to do. Should the mother push her to do something more that they could enjoy together? That's the first question. The second question is: I try so hard to connect with my son's 14, but whenever I try something that he likes to do, like play baseball or anything within his interest, he pushes me away. I get this feeling like he doesn't need my favors or he doesn't trust me. He must be thinking, what is he getting out of it? So you have like two questions, like really the opposite polar questions. Rabbi, Rabbi,
3: you want to take this first? Okay. Um so, you, you know, it's not about what you're interested in. We were kind of talking about this a little bit beforehand, and I think this is a very important akuda. It, it's not about what you're interested in. If your child is interested in music, then try to show an interest in music. If your child is interested now, that doesn't mean that if your child is only interested in shopping, that you have to only go shopping with them, you know, but try to find something that you can both enjoy and you know, Usher, you kind of changed the question If I'm, I'm I'm pretty, originally, the question that was asked was about a father and a son learning. Um, and uh, I, I want to spend a moment about that. Because a lot of times I, I'll, my PTA parents will say to me, you know, often the wife will say, um, I, I don't understand. My child is, is learning with my husband, and they just end up fighting with each other. And And, and, and is there something wrong and why can't they get along? Spending time with your child does not mean learning with your child. I want to be clear about that. You can be a fantastic father and never learn with your child. Sometimes it does not go. Very often child comes home, doesn't know the material. The father doesn't know the material. The father is frustrated with the child that the child doesn't know the material, and the child is upset with the father that the father can't help them. And it becomes a fight. It often becomes a fight. You don't have to learn with your child in order to be a good father. And again, I anticipate many people will comment on that, because I think that's very, very prevalent in many, many homes. Um, Find something you enjoy, and he enjoys, and you enjoy together, or... If necessary, find something that only he enjoys and do what he enjoys or she enjoys. You can find something, but it doesn't always have to be that. You can say, you know what, last night we spent time doing the music, want to do something else tonight, want to go out and give them options. Um, and going out doesn't mean you have to go out to a restaurant, it doesn't mean you have to go shopping. It means you can just go out for, for a drive. Find something that your child likes to do and do it with them if you want to spend time with that with that child, and you want that child to appreciate your spending time. Sometimes your child's gonna tell you, "Daddy, mug off. You're, I mean, he's not gonna say that to you in those words, hopefully, but you're not his friend. You're not her friend. You're her parents. And you're supposed to be there for them. That's it. You don't have to be their friend. They have their own friends. And, and as they get older, sometimes they're gonna leave you out of things. And you have to respect those wishes, but you have to be there for them always.
2: So I want to I want to add to that. You know, the, the first thing, I, if I got the exact quote from the first question right, the parent says, "This is not what I want to do." Right? Was that the uh, Was that the line? Yeah,
1: basically, the kid has an interest that it's right. very either it's annoying or it doesn't seem like a healthy interest. Whatever that interest is. And the kid is demanding to do that. So should the parent buckle or try to convince the kid to do something else?
2: Yeah, I want to draw a distinction between something that you, it's not something that you want to do or something that you don't think is a healthy pursuit. I think those are two separate, uh, two separate and And I'm going to go with the first one. You know, the child wants to listen to music and it's not what uh, the parent wants to do. Part of, uh, you know, becoming a parent is doing lots of things you don't want to do. I mean, that's just you know being a parent uh, a lot of aspects of it is not something you necessarily want to do um you know i just had a, a, an experience uh the other week um so i i wake up early uh, i'm at six o'clock minion in the morning and um this past thanksgiving my son's yeshiva um, they have a father-son breakfast with a speaker on, on thanksgiving day and it's very nice and, and the best part of the whole thing was an eight o'clock chakra. So for me, that was like amazing, eight o'clock chakras. So I get up, eight o'clock chakras. So I already had a nice relaxing cup of coffee, eight o'clock chakras. And then we have breakfast together and I come home and it's my day off. And I sit down on the couch and I'm ready to sit on the couch and basically do nothing. And my son comes to me, he's 14 years old. And he says to me, he goes, can we go to the park to play roller hockey? And in my my mind i'm like i have no interest in going to the park to play i hope he's not listening but i my i didn't want to go play roller i wanted to sit on the couch and do nothing it was it was my day off uh but what comes out of my mouth is of course i want to go to the park and play roller hockey with you right you have those chances you have to be prepared how you're going to respond in those situations so the, our default is that the inertia, whatever it is that we're currently doing, if we're home, we don't want to go out. If our kids say, can we go uh, 7-Eleven and, and get a slurpee? You know, if we're home, we don't want to go out. If it's Thanksgiving and it's my day off, I don't want to go play roller hockey in the park. But you train yourself as a parent, this is what my child is interested in. Even if I'm not interested in it, I'm going to do that because that's what it is to be a parent. That's what it means to show interest and show concern and show care for what your children are interested in. And that helps enhance and build the relationship. The alternative is by the way, let's say I wanted to have me time and say, I'm gonna sit on the couch and do nothing. Um, What's he gonna do? He's gonna play video games and he's gonna do things that I don't want him to do. So it's incumbent upon me as the parent to be engaged and show interest in things that I may not necessarily be interested in. Another strategy, and this is part of like next level parenting is I can show interest or I can take it one step further. So one of my children, they they play uh, piano. They like to play piano, they're interested in it. And so, well, I know a little bit about music. I, I don't know that much about piano, but we did worked on a report for school together uh, where she was uh, presenting on the history of the piano. And I learned something very interesting that the piano was invented <laughs> in Padua, Italy in the early 1700s, around the same time that the Ramchal was living in Padua, Italy in the 1700s. And that's a little fact that became very interesting, finding those extra pieces of information to share with your children about their interests and showing, you know, there's a story, and I'm not good at stories, so I don't know if everybody knows the story about Rabbi Freifeld, um, where a uh, someone came in to interview for the yeshiva for Shreyashev and he lived on an Indian reservation of some sort. you know the story? Do you want to tell Okay, (laughs) I'm already halfway through. So so he cut the interview short and when the bachar came back uh, the next week, he saw there were three books on Indian reservations on on Rupreifeld's desk. He wanted to learn more about what the experience of that uh, individual bacher is. And I think that as parents, we need to spend the time, if our children are interested in something, again, I'm not talking about if it's an unhealthy pursuit, that's a separate conversation. But we really need to show interest in our children, and not just on a surface level, like, oh, yeah, yeah, my son likes uh, roller hockey, or my daughter likes to play piano. Uh, it, it, it's, it's something that we need to go to that next level and really try to incorporate it into a degree where we can show them that we are interested in their interest, because if it's interesting to them, if it's important to them, it should be interesting and important to us as well. And I think that that becomes the next level of parenting. The second question that you brought up about the 14-year-old, who uh, you know, when the parent tries to be involved and and, play, and the, the the child says no. Uh, just the mere fact that a parent is showing interest and saying, I wanna spend time with you. I wanna, to... okay, you don't want me to, I respect that distance, like Rabbi Spiro was saying, I respect it, but just demonstrating that you're interested uh, in, in it and you're making the effort really reinforces your care, your concern and enhances the relationship between you and the child.
0: Okay, here's a question uh, maybe for Robert Spiro. I understand that to build a healthy relationship with my kids, I need to be there for them and spend time with them. My issue is that my spouse is short-tempered. Every few minutes they're screaming and yelling with the kids. How do I pick up the pieces?
3: Okay, it's, it's, a, um, it's, it's a challenging question and maybe a very painful question. Let's first begin with just issuing uh, this disclaimer. If, if the temper is a real, real big problem, In other words, everybody goes off the handle. I mean, I shouldn't say everybody. Everybody gets upset once in a while. It's natural. Um, A person has to learn how to control themselves. If a person is constantly uh, blowing their top, it's a problem. It's a problem. And again, in a supportive way, you need to be able to support your spouse. You need to be able to find a way, maybe speak to a Rav together, maybe work on it together, because it's important for a home to be a happy home. Children cannot be scared in their home. Um, At the same time, you cannot undermine your spouse to your children. It's very important that you, now now again, it's very difficult to answer the question without knowing the specifics. But I I, want to bring in one added point over here. uh, rabbi Yosef rab, was shiva He he said that every person needs to have a rebbe and a rebbe in the olam Ms. And he said his rebbe in olam at this point I believe was Ramosha and his rebbe in the olam MS was I think the Marham Shik. I think that's what he said. But I think when it comes to chinuch, every person has to have a mentor, a rav, a rishiva, a, a, a rebbe. Or, or if it's the wife, and she has a mora, a, Maura, a somebody that she speaks to, a rebbetzin, somebody that she speaks to, at the same time, there's so many wonderful books out there, and, and you need to be able to be educated about it. But, but here you have a case where the, the spouse is losing their temper. Um, this is delicate because it's a marriage issue, and you need to bring it to the spouse's attention. And you need to say, is there a way we can work on this? And I'm not questioning you. I know things are hard. How can I be supportive? Now, again, if if that spouse is is not willing to work on it, you have an issue. You have an issue. And and, and again, I'm not jumping to counseling or therapy or running to the rug. But you have have a real issue on your hand because a home where there's constant blow-ups and flare-ups is an unhealthy home what should you do your allegiance in other words let's say your spouse completely loses their mind you have to protect your children your children must know that they are always safe for a child to be scared of a parent because that the parent's gonna scream and yell at them is a terrible thing the child will be affected by that and it could be long-term but You have to protect your children and at the same time, you can't just dismiss your spouse. Now, again, if this is a long-term problem, you have an issue, go to a rug. And, 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 And let me just end with one thing. It's better to seek guidance and have that moment of embarrassment and shame than to live in shame your whole life because you didn't do anything about it. Problems are solvable. People cannot, don't be afraid. Oy, what's Yehudim gonna think? What's the Rebbitzin gonna think? We're at the door again. Again, we all have issues. If you think you don't have any problems in life, then you probably have the biggest problem. And Hashem put us here. Hashem put us here because He wanted to give us challenges that we can overcome. Them. I have a friend who has many children that are off the derich, and he has one child who's never special needs that that, that 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 makes it very difficult in the house. He's blessed with a special needs child, and it's and it's difficult. And and this person went to a Rav, and he went to the Rav, and he said, what should I do? What should I do? What's my tafkid in life? What's my purpose in life? And he said, your purpose in life is Ibdu Hashem b'simcha. he says, that's not a coping mechanism. That's the end game. The end game, Hashem gives us a mess sometimes, and he tells us Do the best you can. With the koychus you have, do the best you can. Hashem does not want you to take a mess and put it into a beautiful package with nice pink bow and give it back to Hashem and say, look, I'm perfect. Hashem wants you to take the challenges that he's given you, and he wants you to do the best you can. Sometimes you're in a situation where there's there's an explosive environment. You have to address it. can't leave it, and you can't run away from it. Address it, and you'll have to see find the proper solution.
1: I want to jump on this question. I'm getting texts a few similar ones, but I'm going to read two questions. Very similar. It's a tough question. So good luck. I wish you best of luck. We have made many mistakes with parenting. Open this. We've made many mistakes with parenting our children, and it hurts to see that. One of the main issues that we see our children and teenagers and married kids do not have enough self-esteem and self-confidence to face reality of life. It's affecting their marriages and choosing partners and handling their own life issues. Is there something we could do on our part? Or, or is it their problem now? That's One. Another one is, how do you parent married kids and some married kids that can be challenging?
3: Dr. Shapiro, go ahead, I'm, I'm hearing myself, I'm getting bored of myself, so go. <laughs> Others are getting bored too, so go ahead. Um,
2: you know, I, I, I don't think I can answer the question about par- parenting married kids. Uh, I, I really have no expertise or, or knowledge about that. Although I think it's important to recognize there's a time that you put your kochus in for for a significant amount of time but by the time children are married um you know you don't want to be that interfering um uh, parent uh, at a certain point uh, if they're not coming to you for guidance and advice to insert yourself in that situation can probably create more uh more problems than uh than you're you're solving uh, I think it's important. It, it's hard to retrofit. Any time that mistakes have been made over a significant amount of time, um, the, the re- repair process is, is significantly harder. And anything like that, when it relates to self-esteem, it's really an individual journey at that point. And the children, the adult children need to be aware, self-aware, and want to take it on and say, this is something that I need to work on. Uh, There's, uh, you know, a strong relationship, understand self-esteem is not in and of itself a a mental illness or a mental health issue, but it certainly leads to um, areas of of mental health, of anxiety, of depression, uh, an ongoing feeling if you don't feel good enough, um, if you don't feel that you uh, have the skills, if you're not contributing, if you're not proud of your accomplishments, um, and that would be something that you might encourage and say, if, if a person is identifying this as a deficit in their overall functioning in life, as an individual, they need to address that. I don't know how much of a role there is for parents at that point, although the job of a parent never ends, um, it, it certainly, uh, it, you can't be intrusive as a parent, certainly for married children. Um, so... Uh, I, I think that uh, the opportunities are certainly greater for you as a parent to have influence and impact when your children are younger. So I, I don't know what advice to give uh, to the individual whose, uh, parent, whose children are married and, and, and struggling. You can offer uh, a helping hand and, and if they're ready for it, but I think more of the focus needs to be on raising children that have a healthy self-esteem and, and raising children that feel good about themselves. And that goes back to, I think, what we were talking about before, about finding more opportunities to tell your kids how great they are, identifying what they are good at and, and, and can accomplish at, and reinforcing all that positivity uh, in their developmental years. Uh, that's really the key and uh, where the opportunity lies. Um, as they get older it becomes more of their own individual pursuit.
3: Okay, um, I, I want to add something. First of all, Right. Never meddle in your children's lives. Never meddle in your married children's lives. It's not your business. It's like my um, daughter's getting
1: married this week. So starting starting. That's with right. Day. That's my advice. My open
3: you hand. Try open hand, closed. Open hand, closed mouth. That's that's my advice. Um, on the other hand, like 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 Ellie said, you're a parent for life. You need to be there for them, with with them, and for them forever. There's a balance, healthy balance. Very important to build a child's self-esteem. Two points. Number one, Rav HaFman, legendary mechanic, one of the greatest therapists in Eretz Yisrael, who's a Talmud of Rabbi Isaac Sher, Incredible, incredible person. Uh, they're coming out with his books now um, his, uh, in, in English. And Rav said, HaFman said, an unbelievable thing. He said, brings a toysus in Nazir. I think it's on the of Chazayin. He says, toysus says, it's a toyserishin. Chinuch is only on positive things. There is no mitzvah of chinuch to tell your child not to do something. You might be educating your child. It is not the mitzvah of chinuch. Um, I, I don't have, I have another room. I'll go get it, maybe. Uh, the mitzvah of chinuch is positive. That's the mitzvah of chinuch. To tell your child to do something. To tell your child not to do something. You're not mika'im the mitzvah of chinuch. Fascinating. It's a tesis. And in fact, the Chiddush says that that's why Sur Ra Rabasei Toiv. He says the only way to to get to to Sur Raz is by Basay Toiv. You have to always do good, stress the positive. I want to tell you one short story. It made a big Roshim on me as a little child, fourth grade. I was I was a little kid, um, and I I got a sixty five on my test, um, and. I used to daven next to my father, fourth grade in the morning. I used to daven next to him, and my rebbe, Rebbe Litansky, asked me to get the test signed. And I went to, I went to shul. Um, I waited a whole night. There was no good moment to get the 65 signed. And I went to the, to the, um, to davening. And then I, 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 looked for a good moment, and I slipped the test next to my father's uh, sitter. And my father, you know the way you know fathers do it. They go like this, you know. And you look at the test. And he, my father um, looks at him. He takes out his checkbook. He wasn't writing me a check. He took out the deposit slip. He wrote on the back of the deposit slip a note. And the note said, Yechiel was a wonderful boy who just happened to get a 65. And I want you to know that I gave it to my Rebbe. I, I, I showed it to my Rebbe. I, I, an instinct. I asked, can I hold on to that? I took the note. I put it in my pocket. When I went home, you know like kids sleep on the bottom of a, bunk beds so they have the monkey bars above I put it in that special place in my wallet I held on to it till I was 19 years old I was an extra soul in the mirror my name Kipper my dear got broken into and they stole my wallet and they stole the note that said I was a wonderful boy by then hopefully I I I, I uh hopefully saw some some uh, good points of my own but building self-esteem is 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 an endless job for a parent and it can never end
1: okay Here's a tough one. You ready?
3: The question is,
1: and we're, we're slowly building up. So we get a little more, more difficult in detail. I have twin teenage girls and they, they just feed off each other's negativity, they press the limits and obnoxious to each other. They officially do not listen. Their attitude is, why should I listen to you? If I don't feel like it, why should I do it? My wife gets totally freaked out and feels like it's a total lost cause. Any advice, please. <laughs>
2: The, to clarify the question, it's the relationship between the two sisters or the two sisters.
1: Two sisters ex- to the parents. They both team up together, and it's team tag team action.
2: That's a beautiful thing when siblings are getting along, and and. Uh, you know the famous and, word they
1: say, right? When somebody's talking in shul, you see two yidden talking in shul. They said, "Ah, Baruch Hashem, are talking together."
2: Yeah. 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 I, from a from a parental perspective, I think the hardest thing is seeing when your kids don't get along. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of said that tongue in cheek, but like one of the hardest things when your kids don't get along, I, I find, I sort of imagine that Akkadosh Park has the same attitude, you know, some of the nuance of, uh, of, uh, of assays and los assays, uh, not to minimize them, but, but the, the most frustrating thing is not when our children do something that we didn't want them to do, but when they, when they don't get along with each other. Um, and uh, any opportunities that you can find to promote amongst your, your children and, and the, the greatest nachas you get is when you see them spending time together and enjoying each other's company and, and, and even in cahoots on, on certain things. Um, I, I think that's a that's a great thing although I don't think that was the answer the questioner was looking for um, but um, I, you know I, I would I would really join into that and, and say wow, it's so nice to see you guys. Uh, uh, agreeing on something and getting along. I wish it would be on uh, you know a different position or a different issue, but uh, I would be very supportive of uh, you know of just that relationship to, you know that the, that they uh, have a positive relationship as siblings.
3: Rabbi, you hear the question? Yeah, repeat the question one more time please. The question is basically two twin
1: sister siblings they feed off each other's negativity and they like make a, a storm against against the mother and, the, and the basically they make the mother go crazy. So how could the father deal with that?
3: And they're how old again?
1: 12, 13.
3: The father needs to sit, take them out. And the father needs to sit down and talk, talk to them. He say, listen, mommy loves you more than anything in the world. But children, you need... First of all, again, I, this is probably... I, I want to... This is probably a little bit normal. It's not... It's probably a parent... Again, I don't know the situation. But so, sometimes parents freak out. Like, isn't that what he said? He said, right. So, so again, take a step back and their children and they're not going to be doing it when they're 19 years old. They're they're at a difficult age and they need to be spoken to and boundaries need to be set. And they need to understand if there's a problem, we talk things through. You never gang up against mommy. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a, you know, we can't be scared to parent. We live in an age where everybody's terrified the kids are going to go off the derrick and everybody's terrified that, can't be scared to parents we're parents a child a child's having rebellion against the, the children i mean it sounds like Lord's, lord of the flies i mean wh- wh- what do you mean they're, they're having they're having a, a, a they're ganging up against the parent it it really they they really need, the father needs to nip it in the bud it needs to speak to them and tell them this can't go on that's my uh that's my feeling
1: Okay, let's get to this question. It's a very, very typical question. I, I, I'm sure everybody can relate to it. I try to connect to my kids, but I only get like one word answers from them. How do I, how can I get them to share more about their day, their friends and what's going on? Like you say, you tell you get, how are you going? Good, what are you up to? Oh, good. You know what I mean?
3: How was think- the summer? How was the summer? Okay. <laughs> okay. You and $5,000 sending your kid away from the summer. How was camp? Fine. Canteen? All right, fine. I,
2: I, do, I, do this, I do this exercise when, I, when I'm speaking with large groups where um, I ask a question everyone has to answer in unison. So I say your child comes home from school and you say, uh, how was your day? And I go like this and everyone in unison is so like, good, fine, you know, along those lines. And then most parents that uh, are really good and engaged parents, they, they come up with the ultimate follow up question, which is, what did you do today? Nothing. And everyone in unison, you know, says nothing. And that's the extent of the conversations, um, and it's very hard to formulate meaningful relationships and connections with your kids when the extent of the conversations are these one-word answers. Um, but in, in a sense, we are guilty as as the parents uh, because. It, it, Actually, I so haven't much-
1: defined. I don't know. Tell me this is true because you probably get better. I, I've been to find kids that play video games and watch are much more like into that one-word answer. Is that true? Or is that just my imagination? True.
2: Depends to who. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't think I don't think it's, uh, I, I think, I think it more has to do with how we ask the questions. When if we ask a question, what do you do today, our kids are going to say nothing, I don't, whether they play video games or don't play video games. Um, I, I've, I've tested this out in communities across um, the fruited plains of the United States, every community, if you ask your child, what did you do today, they're going to say nothing. Um, and we need to change the, the way we ask questions. Um, and I, I think that it could be from the mental health field or, or from the Chinuch field. We're more trained to ask open ended questions. Um, uh, you know, things along the lines of tell me about your day. Uh, you know, what was it like uh, in math class today or in Gemara here today? Tell me something new that you learned. You know, that, that really forces and elicits a, a, a larger conversation. And also, part of that next level parenting is asking. Going from the surface to the depth. So if you if your son uh, comes home from school and he says, uh, you know, you say, tell me what you do during recess today. Uh, we play basketball, right? the one word basketball. So you, you can let them get away with that or you can say, who would you play with, who was on your team, who was on the other team, what was the score, did you have any good moves and how did you know do that so if you really want to be engaged and show your children that you have to ask the questions as if you are genuinely curious like you want to know all the details of how it played out so again they may not answer fully but like we said you're showing interest but you might be surprised at the information that you do get out of it when you ask these open-ended questions and more in-depth questions but the flip side is also true how often do we as parents talk to our kids about our day. You know, I'm not saying that we're going to complain about how awful the boss was, but do we do we tell our kids over a story, something that happened to us at work today or something that happened on the second, way- Dr. Spiro,
1: Dr. Spiro, one yeah. second. Rabbi Spiro, if you have to go, you can go now. Do you have to go?
3: Um, um, I'm, I'm going to have to cut it short. Um, I, I want to oh, end let, with- let, one let, let,
1: let, let Rabbi Spiro end, Rabbi Spiro, and then we'll continue with you. He has emergency, okay. has to go, so you, can, you go ahead.
3: Oh. Okay. Um, let me just end with this. I, I, and we, we mentioned this, but we didn't really mention it enough. And I just want to end with that. Um, we, we have to be role models. As a parent, you have to be a role model and you have to make sure that that your, that your children, the best chinuch is that they look at you and, and, they, and they look up to you and they want to be like you. They might not be able to be like you. Maybe they have different tendencies, but they want to admire um, what you do and who you are. Um, and and uh, I, I want to end with one story. It's, it's a very, very powerful story in Chinuch, and the story is that somebody I know has a very, very close relationship with their father, and I said, what made it happen? He says, you know, um, and, and people ask me, what's my favorite story in all my books? I think this is Mammish, like, top three. Um, it's it's a story of, uh, it, it's a story, I think, in one of my maybe first or second book, and the story is, there was a family and every Friday they used to go together. The father used to go together with his son to the local grocery and they used to buy some seven layer cake. They'd buy last uh, bits and pieces for Shabbos and then seven layer cake. And one shop, one week was a terrible, terribly difficult week. Car broke down, the washing machine dryer broke. There was no extra money. And he tells his son, I'm sorry, Friday we're going to the store but we can't buy the seven layer cake, I'm sorry. Um, he says, "Okay, can I go anyway?" He says, "I'm just telling you, we're not buying the seven-layer cake." So he said, um, okay, I don't need the seven-layer cake." He goes to the store and he's looking at the he's looking at the seven-layer cake right in the window over there. That's like calling out to him, and he says, yeah the lady says, "You want seven-layer cake?" "No, no, I, I can't have." And the father feels terrible and he says, "All right. Can be two slices of seven layer cake and the, and the kid says no 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 it's okay. he says no I want you to have it and the lady takes out the cardboard box and she takes out the string to cut the cake and she puts it in the box and they and they leave and the father's walking home and, the, and and the father's holding the bags and the seven layer cake all of a sudden Mishulach walks up to him it's just a few hours before Shabbos. and he says please you have any money for Shabbos? you have any I have nothing I have no money I have nothing for Shabbos please, something. He says, I'm so sorry. I have no money on me. He says, please give me something. He says, my father looked at me, and he looked at the Mesholoch, and he looked at the cake, and he handed the box of cake to the Mesholoch. He says, have a good Shabbos. He said, I was so upset, I was crying. I was a little kid. I was crying. But I never held my father's hand tighter because I've never been more proud to be his child. Our children want to be proud of us. They want to admire us and look up to us and emulate us. And the Rebbein Shalom should give us to be good role models for our, for our children. And we should be the true and to the Shmaya. We should be to raise beautiful children. Again, I'm sorry, emergency came up and I have to go, but thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, because leave. you left early, you have to
1: come back. I'm just letting you know.
3: Okay, thank you, Zaguzon.
1: Zaguzon, thank right. you again. Okay. Dr. Ellie, let's continue. Okay. Okay. All right. Solo. How do you fly solo?
2: I don't know. We're
1: gonna find out.
2: Um okay. Let's get yeah. into
1: this question. It's a very big topic. Um, Does he feel like he the question Yeah. Okay. Um, basically, I discovered my 14 year old is walking around doing things they shouldn't be doing, whether smoking or different things. How do I confront them in a way that don't sabotage my relationship? So basically, your child is doing something that, whether it's cigarettes, whether it's watching something, whether and let's globalize it, it could be anything, something that's not good. And you got to confront them. You got to have a conversation with them. And at the same time, you want to keep that positive relationship. So, what's the proper method about going about that?
2: As, you know, it really a lot of uh, a lot of the behaviors that kids are engaging in. We have to look at what the communal norms are. What is is relatively normal for where they are. A lot of times, kids will, may do things that we are not uh, particularly thrilled with, uh, but it's not necessarily significantly problematic, and we really need to assess that. Oftentimes, in going back to this five to one, positive to negative, um, when we do discover that our, our kids are doing something uh, that disappoints us, we have to be strategic about it, not reactive. Um, the way to approach that is, let's say they're doing something uh, that, that, you don't, uh, that you don't approve of. Uh, You can talk about it without confronting them, where you can share what your expectations are, where your values are um, around the issue without necessarily confronting them about it, giving them the opportunity to make the adjustment without it being a punitive piece. Again, we're talking general, depending on what the issue is. Certainly, if it's something that is self-harm or dangerous to them, then you want to address that head on right away. But if it's, let's say, you find out they're listening to music that you don't approve of you know, um, in in something along those lines, you can have a conversation without confronting them specifically on that piece and say, you know, as a family, we choose, uh, you know, our value system is this, our expectations are that, and see if that gives them the opportunity to change the behavior without it being confrontational. If you see that it's not going in the direction that you want, you can then take those steps to have the conversation Again, I always feel that validating is really important to say, I understand why you might want to listen to this music. I understand why you might want to do that, but it's not acceptable in this house. And these are our expectations of your behavior. Um, If a child continues to not engage in the behavior that you want, so you sometimes need to set up either consequences or rewards based on that. It could be everything, anything from uh, you know, going to bed at a certain time, or it could be like the, the example you gave with the cigarettes, or it could be listening to music or anything that moves away from your, uh, parental norms. But at some point you can set a standard getting up on time for davening is a big one. Uh, you know, setting up a behavior chart and that if you somebody, do, somebody actually, just
1: texted 10 seconds ago, how do I wake up a teenage boy without sabotaging my relationship with them?
2: <laughs> that is the hardest question of the night. Um, uh, so, my, having a teenage boy, um, I, I can tell you that it, it really requires uh, multiple waking ups uh, per day. So, you know, if, if he needs to be ready for a carpool or for the bus by, let's say, uh, 745, it means wake up time starts at 7, at 7. Now, like, you know, we have an expectation as an adult... Our standard is if I know I have to be up, if I have to be out the door at 745, I'm going to wake up at 645 and, you know, get dressed, take a shower, get dressed and uh, have a coffee and then I'm ready to go. Kids don't have that, particularly teenagers, don't have that self-regulation piece. And we can't expect them to perform at the same level that we would perform. I think a lot of times we, we um, overlay our uh, expectations of ourselves on our kids. So I know that for my son to be out of bed by, uh, and ready for the carpool by 745, first of all, it really should start the night before. Uh, most of the time, you know, looking for the yarmulke, looking for the socks, looking for the, the belt, uh, whatever it is, if all that was taken care of the night before, uh, you have a much better shot at, at meeting that uh, 745 uh, deadline. But recognizing that it requires a seven o'clock wake up, a 7.10 wake up, a 7.15 wake up, and that process in getting them out of bed. If we if we manage our expectations that they're you know, not going to get out of bed where we wake them up once and they're going to hop out of bed and be dressed in time, then we won't be disappointed when that doesn't happen. So I think strategically uh, we have to prepare uh, for kids not getting out of bed easily.
0: That's, that's if the child wants to get up. You know, yeah, because I don't want to get up, and this dude's rather you don't wake them up.
2: So, if you're talking about a, a child who is is you know refusing to get up, and he's not going to be on time to school, and and that, so that you we might be talking about a much bigger issue. Um, you know that that might require you know a lot of a lot of the advice that we're trying to give and guidance that we're trying to give is very general, uh, and it's for for most kids that are experiencing whatever the question might be. But if we're seeing something that Uh, you know, there's a consistent um, self-destructive behavior or behavior that um, is not not normative. So it is normative for a teenage boy uh, to have trouble getting out of bed in the morning. That's normal. Um, And we need to anticipate that and prepare for it. But once it gets to a point where it's not normative, where they're not getting to school on a regular basis and they're missing half a day and Parents have to go to work and then come back and give them rides and that. And once you're getting to that point, that is that goes beyond normative. And that might be that next step seeking out professional guidance where uh, the issue might be uh, emerging from.
0: Okay. So here's a question that came in. Barak we have six children spread over 10 years with different needs based on their age and personalities. How can I, the parent, give each child what they need when it's something that the other child wants and, you know, everybody's different bedtime, how do we juggle?
2: So I I like to say that, uh, you know, I I was raised as an only child, uh, which was very frustrating for all my siblings. Um, And the idea is that each child needs to be raised different. And we often confuse um, the idea of equal and equitable. Equal means that everything is exactly the same. Everyone gets exactly the same. Everyone gets... Uh, Communism. Yeah. Uh, Well, well, socialism actually is to each, and communism is to each according to their needs. And I think we want to lean more towards that, that idea that equal is not equitable. Let's just take on a very basic level, you have a two-year-old and you have a 12-year-old. And... uh, And are you going to give them the exact same portion for dinner because that's what's equal? Are they each going to get the exact Mm -hmm. same amount of food because that's equal? No, it's equitable. It's based on what their individual needs are. Uh, And and based on that, we have to strategize and, and approach each of our children differently. And equitable might mean different things for different personality types And different levels of maturation amongst our kids so some kids are going to have a later bedtime and some kids are going to have more freedom and and you know the 12 year old might not like it that the 15 year old is uh, getting more, uh, you know, staying up later or going out with their friends, but the reality is, is that it's equitable Um, and. And for our kids to be accepting of equitable, I'm going to go back to that piece of validation. And the kids need to trust the parents. If the kids don't trust their parents, then when you are trying to be equitable, uh, they're not going to buy it. And so uh, it goes back to the relationship, having the relationship with each child, being able to communicate with them, validate. I understand that at 12 years old, you want to do everything that your 15 year old sibling can do. But when you're 15, you'll have those opportunities and communicate that. But you have to validate and say, I know that can be really frustrating. I know that can be disappointing. But as 12-year-old, you have different responsibilities than your older sibling has, and there's different uh, opportunities. And I think kids do understand that. But if they trust that their parents, and this really goes back to the relationship, if they trust that their parents are being thoughtful and, and strategic in giving them opportunities and giving them the, uh, certain freedoms, then they're going to be more trustworthy in the process and be more accepting of equitable versus equal. And I think part of that is really establishing relationships with each of your children. Goes back to the, what we talked about earlier, uh, getting to know your child's interests, uh, joining them with that. And I can't even uh, underscore enough the importance of spending individual time with each of your children. Each of your children, no matter how many you have, they need individual time with their parents, either one of their parents, both of their parents, going for a walk with a child as an individual, going out for dinner with your child as an individual, or what it is that they want to do together. Um, And every once in a while as a parent, you really need to set time aside for each child. Certainly family time as as a unit is important, but really treating each child as an individual, giving them individual time and even showing them that your 12-year-old has an interest in doing A and your 15-year-old has an interest in doing B, you're not gonna do with your 12-year-old what the 15-year-old wants to do. You're not gonna do with your 15-year-old what the 12-year-old wants to do. It's really important recognizing the individuality and searching for an equitable treatment of kids rather than an equal treatment of kids.
1: Amazing, Rabbi Spiro, are you back on?
3: I am back on, I apologize. There's an emergency with the Talmud and sorry.
1: Okay, perfect timing. Okay, let's get into this very, very important question. I got about three different emails. You ready? Go ahead. I want to hear from both of you because I think this this question relates to so much that we deal with. Okay? How do you deal with teenagers about 14 who are consistently claiming they're embarrassed of their peers, seeing we're not necessarily displaying affluence by the type of vehicles, which, by the way, are not badgering by any stretch, how they wish they would be pressurized to live up to the Joneses? What could I do when my child wants something, needs something, but simply we can't afford to live like that? It's a question people keep on asking in different versions. Your child, again, there's wants and there's needs. We'll get into that. This is a question that every parent has to deal with. Your child wants the most expensive scooter. You could, I mean, and then there's parents that could afford it, but what's, what's together? Where do you cut it out? And I just want to add on to it a little bit more as things are panning out, and there are people making a lot of money, are people spending a lot of money at this particular juncture. I find this division become even stronger right now. So um, I don't know who wants to go first, but I'd like to hear from both if possible.
2: I, I'll say that my my son wishes I had a Tesla. Um, that's, that would be very uh, important yeah, yeah. for him. Um, I have
1: the model three, it's not so expensive, but let, let's okay. let's do <laughs> join our family. <laughs>
2: um, I, I will say that, you know, that I, I started talking about before, about, about communicating with your kids about your day and your um, you know, your experiences, and I, I actually have had conversations um, with my kids about when it's time to lease a car, what my strategy is when I lease a car. I have a budget, that budget is this amount per month, and I try to figure out the best car I can get within that budget. I feel that it's so important that we give over to our kids, not just the hashkafa, not just the halacha, but how is it that a responsible parent goes and leases a car how is it that responsible maybe doesn't lease a car and buys a used car or whatever the strategy is it's something that we need to give over to our children as well and the only way that we can do that is being transparent with our process and if our process isn't something that we're proud of or, or, or able to communicate effectively to our children then maybe we need to rethink our process uh, on how we do it so you can ask any of my kids You know what's Daddy's uh, strategy when leasing a car? That's that's what they'll they'll be able to tell you because we've had that conversation. And it's similar with any other purchases. Um, You know, we we uh, we buy things and we look at prices and we we're thoughtful. And sometimes we can afford something nicer and sometimes we don't. Um, And it's it's a a transparent process in in part of being mechanim because we need to teach our kids. Fiscal but, responsibility Daddy, but Daddy, for,
1: oh. uh, every kid has a custom suit for their bar mitzvah. I want a custom suit. I don't get it.
2: So uh, I, I don't know what neighborhood you're living in that every kid has a custom suit. But um, do they really have custom suits every kid? A lot so, of,
1: uh, it, it doesn't make. Uh, it makes, yeah, no, I, I hear what
2: you think. So again, goes back. let's let's be yeah. honest.
1: What? What, let's be honest. With the famous law I always say when when a kid comes home, and says everybody in my class. It's usually right. between four and six
2: boys. Not even, not even. But the, but again, I I I uh, I I'm sure your audience is tired of hearing me say about validating. So the first thing that I would do is I'd validate. well, wow, it must be very hard. Uh, everybody uh, getting something that it's not something that we do in our house. Uh, and uh, you know that's that's uh, the communication. Just validating it makes a big difference. And you know I. I repeat that often, but part of that transparency is really sharing your family values and your family norms. This is what we do, and this is what we don't do, and that has to do with financial spending as well. One of the big problems today, and and national organizations, uh, you know, I know the the OU is very involved with teaching fiscal responsibility, and there's curriculum coming out um, with how to be fiscally responsible um and that goes part of it uh parents should be able to impart and inculcate into their children uh just because everyone else is doing something just because everyone else is having something doesn't mean it fits within our family norms and values and incorporating that including them in that process whether it's grocery shopping whether it's clothing shopping whether it's uh, car leasing all these things is part of of showing your kids and i think all too often as parents we don't include them in that part of, uh, you know, of our lives. We, you know, just don't, don't include them. That was fair. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, first of
3: all, Ellie's so right. I mean, fiscal responsibility is such a big issue and overspending. I think to just said how, how the excessiveness is derailing our system. I think that's a quote. And and he he highlighted it as being perhaps the number one issue in Klal Yisrael how we there's just we're 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 off we're, we're off the tracks it's it's crazy um, but but again every every family has their limits and it's not a healthy thing to always go beyond your limits it's a very unhealthy thing even if you're trying to give your child everything now you can't constantly say no to your child. So there has to be a give and take, there has to be a pick and choose. But I wanna tell you one little thing, my son who's turning 30 in Mitzvah Shem when he was in sixth grade, the fad was a Palm Pilot. You remember Palm Pilots? Okay, so Palm Pilots was like the first that I can remember, the first electronic really trendy thing before they had the, remember they Mattel going to tell and Coleco uh, football, got, palm, basketball games. Okay, that's- I so got a Palm pilot, pilot
2: as, when, when I graduated college, I got a Palm Pilot as a gift, Palm 3. Uh, it was before the right, Color okay. Five came out. Okay, so so
3: my son was in sixth grade and he wanted a Palm Pilot. I remember at the time it was probably around two hundred dollars, and I said absolutely not, two hundred dollars. We can't we can't have, give a sixth grade boy a two hundred dollar expensive toy like that. And and my father in law suggested a, a, a great idea. He said it's a great chinuch opportunity, and he told me why don't you have him save up for it. And now Nahara, Bar Hashem, he gets birthday presents and Hanukkah presents from, from mommy and daddy and then Bubby and Grandpa and then Bubby and Zayd and everybody give him and he made a khajbin that it was like before Hanukkah by by Afi Kayman time. He wanted to take his Afi Kayman present on credit. So he says, and I'll and I'll pay it up. And he did, and it was a wonderful learning opportunity. You teach a child. You want something? Well, let's earn it. Well, you don't just get it because I say I want it. You want it? You want to maybe babysit a little bit, earn some money. Want to shovel driveways? You know, it's it's like a foreign thing nowadays for kids sometimes to shovel driveways. What do you mean? Get the truck to do it. Get somebody else to do it. So if you're able to teach a child, save up for something that you want that is an invaluable gift and a lesson to teach them that they can always fall back on. Um, I know of a young couple in Lakewood. uh, They have a little box in their kitchen, and and it's their vacation box. And whenever there's a few extra dollars, they put it into that box. They have a stuck-a-box too. But this is their little vacation box. They have a few dollars here, a few dollars there, a few dollars there. And before you know it, you're able to save up for a small little night away a dinner out, something like that. And it's it's a great, great lesson to teach children.
1: Okay, let's hop I have two more good questions over here, and then we're going to go to closing, okay? Let's do this one first. Great question. Hi, what do you respond when your kid speaks disrespectfully to you? Is there any point in asking for an apology when they have no regrets whatsoever?
3: There needs to be boundaries. Chutzpah is not tolerated in this house. You want to discuss it we're always here for you but you cannot talk in a chutzpah manner to mommy and daddy it's not negotiable a house that has chutzpah in it is you're not a tolerant house you're a dysfunctional home and again i'm going to repeat what i said before because it's so important don't be afraid to parents being firm is not being mean if, if you can't tell your child you can't be a mechutzif, so then you then, then your child's going to become a vildachaya. And your child will be a mechutzif when he's a child. Your child will be a mechutzif when they're older. And a child's going to always be a mechutzif. You know, who goes over to the Rav and screams at the Rav? Or it, it, it's a child that was never told that you have derech heretz for Rabbanim. You have derech for Rabbein. You have derech for the Anhala. And, and, uh, A home that has chutzpah, it's not tolerated. Now, again, at that same time, you can say to your child, let's work on it. Let's make a behavior chart. Let's work up. If you go two weeks without raising your voice or screaming or yelling, we're going to reward you with a little something. It always works. And it's always, and again, it's training. You you train the child. It doesn't happen overnight. And hopefully, mitzvah, if you do it enough, they learn.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. You know, the, the response is we don't talk like that. And I think pushing for a uh, disingenuous apology is not, you know, say you're sorry. That's, uh, you know, doesn't really do it. Uh, it's just, it's a, it's a non-negotiable. We don't talk like that. That's not how we speak to our parents. That's not how we speak in this house.
0: Okay.
2: I think we want to go to closing.
1: So many, I know so many people are asking questions. Okay, let's go to closing now because um, it's 11.20 it's getting late. Um, let's do that. Sorry about that. Anybody who's asking questions, you can email it in. I'll send it to, to Rabbi Spiro and Dr. Spiro. again. First of all, big, big for that, Rabbi, for coming, coming, leaving, coming back. We appreciate you, right? <laughs> coming twice tonight and for Dr. for coming on. It's a really important Indian we covered tonight. It's an Indian of basically just really connecting with our children to really the best of our abilities and to parent, like Rabbi Spiro is being so clear over here. We have to parent. We can't be scared to parent. We have to have rules and boundaries and we have to connect with them. So, guys, thanks for coming on. And we're going to do a round two, not when 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 we could squeeze you guys back in. And um, thank you for coming on. Again, tonight, we're learning in Slus, Il what's his father? What's his name again? Moshe Ben David Yidya? Mm hmm. And also be a uh, for the Kala. Again, married my daughter, and everybody's welcome to the for them. Again, if anybody wants to join our WhatsApp chats, please text and WhatsApp me at eight four eight five two five zero zero six six and save my number, and um, I'll send you every Sunday the flyers and the share. If anybody wants to sign up, sign up for the emails from Coach Menachem, he sends out the the email and the replay, the replay of the share afterwards. Go to MenachemBerenful.com. Again, if anybody's here for the first time, every Sunday night at nine thirty on this Zoom share. Is an amazing share. We usually we usually do pretty good. Over I think we're not, I think we're eighty four for eighty four, pretty much. And uh, please join us next week. We have a very very powerful topic. Um, where is it over here? We have Dr. Jonathan um, Jonathan Schwartz Schwartz from Hillside, New Jersey. Going to be talking about public speaking fear, davening for the atmosphere, and dating fear. People that have anxiety. We really he is really a mumcheness. We me and Nacho had a long conversation with him. And uh, I think it's relevant to everybody. I think everybody could relate to it on some level. And I think we're really going to try to get to the performance anxiety, understand it, break it down, and really try to get some real tips to uh, to, to, to get help people through that. Uh, it should be an amazing share. So please join. Again, everything is recorded. It'll be on MenachemBernfeld.com. Tomorrow, if anybody has any questions, Reverend Spiro, Dr. Spiro, please email coachmenachem at gmail.com. We will forward all the emails to them. Tonight's share is share number 84. And it's going to be on our phone lines tomorrow at 848-777-GROW. And a thank you to all the advertising sponsors of the Liquid Scoop, Rabbi Yaniv and Hazak. Special thank you to Chayla Kaufman and Shmuel from JCN. And for promoting us on all the digital platforms. We're going to go to closing again. Guys, thank you for coming. It was really, really good tonight. It was really solid. Who wants to go first for closing? Coach Menachem, you go first. You guys fight it out. And then we'll decide who's going first for closing. Coach Menachem.
0: So thank you, thank you very much, doctor and rabbi, Baruch Hashem, was a success. Um, it's, it's interesting, you know, we're talking about all these questions that come in, what should I do? And you have to do parenting like this, parenting like that. And sometimes it sounds like there's so much the parents have to do and it's a little bit of negative. I think we have to stop for a moment and first give the parents, you know, the recognition, the, the koiches that they put in, all the positive, the the, the five, one, the, the parents need themselves, you know, they have to, and, and don't wait, don't wait for Coach Matthew to give you the chizik, every parent has to be able, you have to be able to give it to yourself, if you want to continue in a positive frame with, with the kids, it first starts with yourself, you have to have that that positive feeling, that I'm doing what I need to do, if, if the end of the day I can sit down and feel good with the positives even though there's so much struggles and a lot going on, but at the end of the day, if that's what you take, it's not gonna last too long, there's a lot of negativity. So what I'm saying is even for yourself, give yourself that uh, pat on the back and, um, and have that positive, um, just a positive environment with yourself and automatically goes over to the others. So thank you very much for being here tonight, Rabbi Spiro and Dr. Shapiro, Bar HaShem, we were able to cover pretty much a lot of these questions and Hashem should help. This Yat like we discussed, everybody who, what they need in Mitzvah to be machanath, ourselves and our kids the right way.
1: Thank you, my Coach Benacham, beautiful closing. Who's going first?
2: I think I'm gonna go first because Rabbi Spiro is much more inspirational than I am. And I think we want to end it on an inspirational note. Rabbi
1: Spiro, a lot of people are texting. They want the next story from the next book. So we want to preview now. Okay, go.
2: Okay, so uh, just uh, to review, You know a relationship like any relationship uh with our children has to be something that's strategic it has to be something that we're thoughtful about and it has to be something that you know we are ready to to respond in a positive way we also uh discussed that it's not about the quantity but it's the quality of the interactions that we have with our kids and part of increasing that quality is trying to say yes more often doing things that they want to do, sharing in their interests, even if we may not be interested in it, per se. Um, we need to validate their experiences and their frustrations. And we have to follow up with it, with in-depth questions, not just let them get away with giving us a surface-oriented answer like fine and a nothing, but really push them to share with us uh, more depth and more detail. And even when they are not going to share with us more depth and more detail, the fact that we are inquiring about it demonstrates to them that we are really interested in what it is that is happening for them. And that in and of itself will enhance the relationship. Just their feeling that, uh, that we are inquisitive, we're curious, we're interested in their experience is going to make a difference, even if they don't always share with us uh, to that degree. And I think uh, the validation is something that we've just repeated so much, the communication, and really making the time that we spend with our kids, whether it's as a group, or as individuals, uh, making it count. And when we do have uh, you know, a number of children, that it's not about creating equality for all of them, but really creating something that's equitable, that each child is getting what it is that they need. And I think that's the strategy for, for connecting and having meaningful relationships with your children.
1: Beautiful, Dr. Shapiro, thank you so much. Rabbi, uh, Dr. Shapiro, Dr. Rabbi Spiro.
3: Rabbi Doctor, please. Rabbi, rabbi Doctor. So it's the easiest way for me to...
1: you're, you're a rabbi. He's Doctor. Your name sounds the same. And next week, we have a rabbi doctor. Come on.
3: <laughs> let, let me earn my What's pay that way. You just call me Doctor. Um, I just want to ask you one passion. question. What do you say
1: to so many hundreds of people that came in tonight, Over 1,200, 1, 1,500 people that signed in tonight, to come at 12 o'clock at night to be a better parent? What do you say about that?
3: That's amazing. That's amazing. And you should know, you must be a Navi, because I'm closing with that. But thank you for stealing my thunder, I appreciate it. And first of all, I wanna thank you all for inviting me on and thank you to all the the people that participated in the Zoom conference um, and and for listening to me babble on a little bit. Um, Again, this is just schmoozing together and hopefully um, everything that we want will come true. To reiterate one point that Ellie mentioned, he said, say yes more often, say yes to your children. Give them and give them and give them. It doesn't have to be money. People don't want things. They want you. Your child doesn't want things. They want you. They want your attention. They want your love. They want, they want, you, they want you to feel like you hold of them. Somebody once said, if everybody would realize that the Rebun Yushalayim, if he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. What a great feeling. Every child needs to know that at home, whether you do put your pictures of your children, uh, and and by the way, whichever child is visiting, we always put those pictures on our fridge to make sure that they think we love them most. But but every child every child needs to know that they're loved. Reb Avi Shulman Shlitto, one of the Gedolei Adar of Chinuch, and and a personal mentor, once said, "Do an experiment and go to a park with your child, and don't tell." your child not to do anything unless they're in physical danger. You know, like the child starts and go with the toddler and the toddler's running around. You go, no, 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 no. Unless it's physical danger, don't say the word no. Don't stop them. And I think that's something we can all learn from. Give them, yes, positive. Again, it's a as I quoted. You can look it up in Nazi. The Chav was of, of Zion, Someone happened said, the mitzvah of Chinuch is to tell your child to do things, not to not do things. Obviously, you need to educate. Rebchatzka Levenstein once said, the greatest thing you could do for your Shalom bias is constantly ask yourself, What can I do for my Shalom bias? The greatest parenting you can do is constantly ask yourself, how can I be a better parent? And everybody that got on tonight is asking themselves, how can I be a better parent? And it's a never ending journey and it's the most beautiful journey in the world. And it's something that the Rebani Shalom has gifted us. We have children, so many people that would love to be in your position. A difficult child, Zella Pliskin says, if you ever wanna put things into perspective, Reframe your situation. You're standing outside your house, come back from a hard day of work, and, and you hear your kids screaming. And you say to yourself oh my God. Picture it differently, because down, down the road, there's somebody that doesn't have a child. What would they do for your picture? Reframe the picture, and it looks beautiful. Everybody has beauty in their life. Everybody has gifts. The Rebbeinah Shalom should give us the Siat, to the shemaiah, the koich is to be able to raise our children to become everything that Hashem wants them to be. Thank you again, and much hatzloch, and much nachas to everybody. Amen.
1: Hey, thank you guys so much. See everybody next week, January 2nd, 2022. It's going to be beautiful. Good night.
0: Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes and it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.